I'd like to welcome our first sponsor to the official Do Good Better podcast, and that is DonorDoc. Listen, as a nonprofit, DonorDoc knows that you wear many different hats, and that's why they are here to help you make your life easier. DonorDoc helps you connect with your donors on a deeper level and provides you with the tools to become the ultimate fundraiser. There are other instantly cool features too, but we know connecting and staying connected with your donors are high on most of your priority lists. Hey, guess what? DonorDoc is so awesome, and I'm telling you, so awesome, that to everyone listening, they are giving you a 100% discount off your first month. That's right, 100% off. It's absolutely free to use for your first month. All you have to do is use the referral code DOGOODBETTER, and you're set. Again, do good better. It's simple. It's easy. Head to DonorDoc.com to learn more and get started. Hey, thanks, DonorDoc, for being an official sponsor of the official Do Good Better podcast. That's what people want. They're so sick of the BS and smoke and mirrors and fluff. And I mean, that's one thing when we talk about branding that I always tell clients, I'm like, with me, this is who you get at happy hour, and this is who you're going to get at a meeting. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. Of course, this podcast is dedicated to small and medium-sized nonprofits doing very big things. And right now, those small and medium-sized nonprofits have some very big things to consider, and that is marketing and branding. And what on earth do you do during a global pandemic? And these are the questions that we are going to answer today because my friend Amanda McKinnon, she is the founder of Mspire. She is the bodacious brander, and she's on the official Do Good Better podcast today. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it. Excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you. Uh, This is very topical today because I think a lot of nonprofits are in pause mode, and they are not doing many things, and they should be. So I brought you on because you are going to inspire them, nay, inspire them to do better when it comes to marketing today. So if you are tuning in for the first time, you're saying, Amanda McKinnon, I like the sound of this person, but they have no idea who you are. Give a kind of a 5,000 foot view on uh, who you are, what you do. Go, floor is yours. Perfect. Yes. So I, like you said, I'm the bodacious brander of Inspire, And so really what that means is I help businesses of all sizes, for-profits, non-profits, um, really decide who they are, you know, from a brand perspective. It's much bigger than a logo. Um, you think of customer experience, patient experience, you know, whatever your business is, and then ultimately turn that into a marketing strategy to get the masses to know about you, your target audiences to know about you, and do business with you and continue doing business with you. I love that. Um, one of your big things, which is figuring out who you are as an organization. I think a lot of nonprofits have spent a lot of time sort of reflecting on that exact same question. And what a what better time than a global pandemic when you are forced not to do much is to reflect on that. Why is figuring out who you are so important? And why do you hammer this home to businesses and nonprofits? Well, I think, you know, businesses need to look at themselves as a person, 
you know, we talk about personal brands and business brands, but ultimately people do business with people. And so you have people in your organization and they ultimately are the ones that help create your brand. And so I just think that, you know, you talk about this pandemic, it's a perfect time to take this slowdown to really look at who you are, how you're speaking, you know, from a social perspective, your marketing materials, you know, things like that. Um, and just, I mean, just really figure it out. I talk a lot about authenticity and I think that you have to, once you know and define what your brand is, you have to own that really regardless of what's going on. Is, is this environment and new reality we live in a real, is this going to affect the authenticity of people? Or, and in other words, uh, is authenticity going to matter more now that we are uncovering a lot of things that we didn't know about organizations, like all the stuff, because we're on all the time figuring it out? Is this, is this like new? Like, Yeah, I really think it is. Um, you know, we thought it was hard before to, you know, <laughs> separate ourselves from the masses. I mean, you look at the amount of nonprofits and just organizations, you know, that are out there and it's, I mean, it's asinine, but um, you have to look at it to, like I said, get it to that human component. Not everybody is going to like you, want to do business with you. And so what you need to do is find those people who do and then also use them as your brand ambassadors. You know, give those people the opportunity to be your voice instead of having everything fall on your organization too. I mean, especially in the Midwest, we want to support people. I mean, it's, it's crazy the level of community that I've seen, even when you can't be with each other um, in this area. And people want to help people. That's the bottom line. I think that's so interesting to consider your nonprofit as a person. Um, to give to an entity, to this sort of nebulous idea of I'm going to give to a building that's going to put it into a coffer and then do a thing and a service. One of the most effective things that I've ever found as a fundraiser is personalizing your story in order to make a deeper connection with a donor, for example. This is the same thing with marketing, right? So shouldn't you just sort of think about what it looks like as your nonprofit as a person how do you do, how do you even start there? I know you've got a billion and a half techniques, and I'm not going to let them all out of the bag because you get the you get the delightful pleasure of calling Amanda at the end of the show and saying, "How can I get you into my office to talk about this stuff?" But what what would you tell people over a cup of coffee to, just to, as a starting point uh, when considering your organization in this person centric sort of marketing brain that you've got? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that honing in on your team is such an important component of personalizing your brand and ultimately even telling your team's, you know, um, stories. You know, I have a, um, you know, client that I work with, Bodyworks Physical Therapy, and one of the things that we always talk about is the engagement around the posts that we do with their team. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but you post a stock image or a link or whatever it is, and people are just, you know, bypassing it. And so that's really been our strategy is how can we bring, you know, your team and lift them up as a part of this brand, because they're ultimately helping her run her business. Um, They're the faces that people see, 
when they come in for their physical therapy. And so that's really what we're working on is like having those conversations and thinking, look at all the moments that are happening in your organization and how can we share that? So it's a patient win or a, you know, a birthday even of an employee. Um, people, people just love to connect with people and that's what it's really all about. I think the gravitation towards frontline workers and those who are getting their hands and feet dirty in in the programming and services that the organization are exponentially more interesting than the programs and the services that they're actually doing. Um, because there's some sort of relatability, I think, on a personal side that I, I, you know, I might not know every nuance of a uh, some sort of nonprofit organization working with developmental disabilities or delay. But I sure relate with the individual who has a family who also then works, who also then does this with their kids or is a working mom or whatever. There's a relatability there, even if I don't have a relatability to, a, you know, the individuals that they're serving or the developmental disabilities that those individuals have, I can relate to the person who's helping. And therefore, I'm now open to understanding more about the nonprofit in the first place. And I think what a wonderful way as an organization to appreciate your employees than pointing out what wonderful people they are and humanizing a mission statement, which is inherently not like not personal anyway. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to um, Lana Whiting, who I know, you know, or talking, I say messaging. (laughs) That's kind of the new way of the world of talking. Um, But we were, you know, discussing kind of core values. And um, I've been in business for almost eight years. And when I started, I decided that my three core values were to be a learner, a giver, and a fun haver. And I still feel like those represent my business and who I am as an individual, even though my business has evolved and will continue to evolve. Um, One of the things that we had talked about was, uh, you know, things like quality and integrity you go, duh, I hope those are like foundational things of a business. I mean, you should have integrity. You should provide quality. You know, I mean, it just, it's just funny, but that's how it used to be. It used to be, you know, kind of those buzzwords and now core values have the opportunity to mean a whole heck of a lot more um, and really be the truly the guiding principles of who your organization is versus just words on a wall. Yeah. I I, I like that because Again, words and plans are great, mm-hmm. but if you're not acting on them and then you're not showcasing what people are actually doing, and it, it's a waste. It's a waste complete. Yeah. Um, what about marketing in in these? Oh God, we got to. By the way, side note: as a marketer, we need help figuring out a couple of things. One, in these trying times, unprecedented times, unprecedented times in these new normal. My God in heaven, please help us. So I'm going to leave this on your plate. You come up with that, and then we will all pay you for the pleasure of coming up yeah. with different terms. In Please. these super poop emoji times. <laughs> yes, there you go. In poop emoji times, which is our current state in poop emoji okay. times, marketing now more than ever, I think, is important. But not a lot of nonprofits are going to dump a lot of time, energy, and money into marketing. But they should. Why? I think we need to discuss this because one of the things that is easily cuttable, and I'm using giant air quotes for those of you listening on your favorite podcast stream, cuttable uh, budget items is marketing, which by the way, if you are part of this uh, uh, you know, leadership team that is cutting marketing, don't be an idiot 
and double the amount of money you're spending on marketing because nobody else is. So do the opposite, which will help your business and your nonprofit. Anyway, it's the most important thing I think right now that you can do is double down on what, how you're getting your marketing out to you. What is most important? What are people doing that are successful at it? And how can nonprofits apply some of the things that you're seeing uh, in this new normal? Yes. Well, I even think, you know, from a, you know, I look at a budget standpoint and um, I've, you know, had conversations with clients and they're like, this is scary. You know, we need to be cutting and some have really, uh, you know, decided to stay the course, I think, which is super important because you always have to be out in front of people. I mean, that is what branding is. I mean, you know, they talk about top of mind awareness, you know, all of that stuff, but it is really super important. Um, I think one of the things that I've seen people doing really well from a social perspective is, you know, videos and lives and, and being okay with having those conversations in a very fluid state, you know, and not, not, having, and not perfect. Yes. Yes. Because it's okay to be no there. Filtering, I mean, just doing it. That's what people want. They're so sick of the BS and smoke and mirrors and fluff and, I mean, that's one thing when we talk about branding that I always tell clients, I'm like, with me, this is who you get at happy hour and this is who you're going to get at a meeting. And I'm, you know, professional and fun and, you know, all those things, but it's exhausting trying to be somebody or something that you're not. And people can read through it. I don't care what anyone says, even if you think you're successful at it, it's not the case. And again, I think this pandemic is revealing a lot of truths about a lot of companies and organizations and nonprofits that are not what you thought they were or what they, oh my, oh, there's a lot of gross going on. And I think you can tell because they are posting things that are completely different than what they should be or you know that they are. And like you said, it's gross. And I think people will give you a lot of grace if you make some errors and it's not perfect, but at least you're being authentic. And back to your original point, that authenticity piece is so unbelievably necessary now. And in fact, I would even say it's more critical now than it's ever been because people are not looking for or to donate to an organization that sounds good. They're looking for people who are actually doing good. And I think people can see through the fluff a lot more because they're, they're now paying attention a lot more because they're all online. They're all seeing through the BS, right? I would love to see the data. I mean, (laughs) that that chart has to be off the charts as far as screen time and all of it. That's why I'm saying like, this is a prime opportunity. And granted, I know there's a ton of messages out there, Mm -hmm. but um, I mean, if there are organizations that you love, um, share the love. I think too is one of the things just as a normal human being and consumer um, it's that brand love. I mean, this is now the time to be doing it and taking care of each other. I mean, I just bought a plant um, and planter from dash and white and this super cool, I'll pull it on here. My little orb. Oh yeah. Like let's just start putting good juju into this office, but you know, local, I shared that I'm not getting anything from it. I'm not an influencer. I just love those brands. I love the people behind those brands too. We talk a lot about this in, uh, on the podcast and we talk a lot about this with, uh, organizations is lifting other groups and organizations up. 
as a marketing plan. On paper, you probably don't write, recognize and acknowledge and lift up our, quote, competitors. Right. What harm is it now? And do you see a benefit in acknowledging others' great works, even if they are in your same sandbox? No, not at all. And so I'll use um, Marissa Willits of Next Level Consulting as an example. Yes. Um, so her and I have some crossover services from mm-hmm. a marketing perspective, but I just saw her announce that she has an office space. I'm like, go you. Yes. I, you know, I, I want other people succeeding, even if they're in my competitive landscape, because we all learn from each other. We all, I mean, resource work you know, to one another. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, they all say, you know, all boats rise together and da da da, all the cliches, but that's a reality. And, you know, I don't ever want to see anyone not working or their business failing, especially during this time. I mean, this is the last (laughs) space where we need to be like, what's in it for me? And how can, you know, I mean, yes, we all have to take care of ourselves, but my gosh. I, I think that I think it's I think it's more important now than ever. If you are a nonprofit and you see another nonprofit doing great things, use that as inspiration and acknowledge the fact that they're great in the first place. It's yes. okay. It, it, and I think that it, hiding behind, well, maybe this isn't okay, or maybe I'm gonna have an issue here, or maybe this isn't gonna be okay. Great. I I, I don't know how that's gonna benefit you by hiding behind a, a shell that's not saying you did great work or you're doing awesome things. Um, is going to harm you. In fact, people are probably going to look at it going, hey, what a great team player in a time of, uh, of concern and uh, uncertainty. These individual groups or this person or this organization stepped up and said, wow, what an awesome job they're doing, regardless of what your original playbook said. Is that, and I think it might be authentic. I think it might be authentically uh, proud of somebody else in the same field doing amazing things. And I think people are going to recognize that wholeheartedly. Right. Well, and even saying like, dang, I wish I would have thought about that. I mean, even you think those words like, oh, you know, you're ahead of the game. Here I am. Whatever it is. I mean, just genuinely giving them, you know, kind of that social applause, I think is super important. And like I said, at at the core of who we are, I just feel like most of us want to be doing that anyway. I think, you know, you said it, share the love. I think that's really important. Here, ironically, when you share the love, you are getting in front of people the same way that you would need and marketing and probably paying for it. Your your acknowledgement of somebody else's awesomeness is getting your name out to an audience that doesn't necessarily think about you all the time. That's free. Exactly. Yep. Do it. Just do it. Oh, my goodness. Um, What are some of the mistakes you're seeing? You have to have a, um, your eyes are attuned to this, by the way. And you know that you you look at things through a glass that not a lot of people do. Are you seeing people who are making mistakes during this pandemic? And without giving away names, because we do not want to uh, market change anybody. No. But as examples, what are people doing that are not? Because I think we learn from others' mistakes, and you know, partly, yeah. right? Yes. What are some What are some uh, no nos you're seeing now that we can avoid in the nonprofit world? Well, you know, um, it's interesting. The so I, I have a couple. The retail arena has been one that's really just blown my mind, my mind in not a good way. <laughs> um, you know, talking about you know the quarantine outfit of the day. I'm like. Girlfriend, I'm not going to be wearing ruffles and glitter and sequins and all the things. I am in my yoga or my sweatpants or whatever. And so it's just, 
I mean, it's totally going over someone's head on what everyone is going through. I mean, I'm not looking to work a pageant stage currently (laughs) in my outfit of the day. So I just, you know, those types of things. And then also too, just staying static. I think you can tell, you know, when we talk about content strategies, you can tell that people scheduled posts months in advance or weeks in advance because they are completely out of tune with what's going on. I mean, that's one thing. If you have scheduled posts right now as any organization, go and look at them. (laughs) Yeah, like you said, probably delete them. Um, But holy crap, do they make sense now? Probably not. I mean, in most of the cases. So, and that's one thing too. I've always had a struggle with, um, you know, content calendars and things like that because our world is always changing so much. And it's hard to be human when you're scheduled, you know, at 9.37 on this day or whatever time Facebook said this would be the best time to post. I mean, you talk about organizations and, and being in touch, you know, kind of with your employees, you have to be continually asking yourself, what are we doing in our organization? That's awesome. Um, and it doesn't have to be big. Those little things um, tell the bigger story. And so I think that's another thing that we have to always, you know, keep looking at. Let's not be robots. Let's not always be scheduled. Um, let's get human again. Oh, the, 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 seriously, those are the three best tips I've heard all week as far as it goes from a marketing standpoint. And, and I think it humanizes you as an organization, which is what the appeal is to that authenticity. Um, but I think a lot of people, when they hear create content, and, and this is going to help, I think, a lot of nonprofits who are thinking it's so overwhelming because you got to post five times a day on 700 different channels. And I have to go six times on LinkedIn, but only two times on uh, um, uh, Facebook. And then I'm going to do one time on Twitter, but maybe one time on Twitter. And the, like the list of things that you, quote, have to do to be out there is overwhelming. And then I think the second part to that is the amount of content people think they have to create in order to get something that's good. Right. Talk to me about the amount and, and how, do we have to be, this is my first question because brevity is not my strong suit. That's okay. why I'm a podcast. Um, <laughs> I can do this because I have a microphone, but do we have to post everywhere? Do we have to be everywhere? And then do we have to post war and peace? Those are the two questions. Okay. So no, I don't think you have to be posting everywhere. I think you have to post where it's working for you. I have had so many clients come to me and say, we need to be on Twitter. And my first question back to them is why? Yep. Are you going to be tweeting 27 times a day? Because I'm not going to be tweeting for you 27 times a day. I mean, you just, you can't do it. I mean, when you look at social media management, I mean, that can truly be and should be likely a full-time job. And so I think, no, not everywhere, not every day if it doesn't make sense either. I mean, if you're just, like I said, if you can tell that's a scheduled post and you're just posting it because someone told you you needed to, you're going to lose people because again, that's also not authentic. I mean, that's just you trying to play the game and quite frankly, losing at it. So, and I think too, from a, like you think of content, um, I think people overthink it to death. Um, I have a client right now and I'm pushing him really, really, really hard to do videos and just quick videos, videos about um, why he even started his practice, because it is pretty remarkable 
um, his background, the things that he went through in his childhood. Um, he could, I mean, seriously, he could do a series of videos on that alone. Um, but that would make me want to do business with him. Yeah. If I was suffering from any type of mental health, you know, issues um, that he covers and works on. And so, um, that, and he's a great guy. I mean, just articulate, salt to the earth. You want to hang out with him. I've been tailgating with him. Yeah. Um, he talks about, because he loves to cook too. And I'm like, perfect. Cooking is good for the soul. I mean, that's helping your mental health too. So just those things as a person, that's what you should be talking about. People don't want to hear about statistics and, you know, one in five this. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's too much right now too. And so um, any opportunity to storytell in just a super chill way. I mean, I really think that's the direction that people need to be going. Personally, that's my, that's my stick. I love it. I know I agree with you hundred percent. One of the pushbacks that, um, that I pushed back on is, well, I don't know what to say if I go live or I don't know what, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to do this? I, I, there's, I think individuals who are timid about being in front of the camera Mm -hmm. Because I mean, they're not either used to it or they, you know, they aren't theater kids. Right. Uh, sometimes yeah. you, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Um, but what would you tell people who are saying, "Well, I don't know what to talk about to do a, a Facebook live, or I, I do a live on Instagram. I don't know what to talk. I, I'll freeze in front of the camera." Right. Well, I think I mean, you know, the biggest thing too is you can have fun. Like it's okay to have fun. And so I mean, I even think of you know, if your first one you're not sure like your facial expressions and what that's going to look like start off by having a picture of you in front of you on the little popsicle stick or whatever, just, you know, to like get that engagement going, but then just have those quick bullet points. It doesn't have to be a 20 minute video either. No, I mean, it's just, you know, I think of, you know, just different organizations like body works, physical therapy. I'll use that client again. Um, we look at, things that are going on and like, you can do a video about that. And, you know, she didn't want to in the beginning either, but she rocks it. It's just, we're our own worst critics. And so I think if you just have two or three bullet points that you want to talk about, and, you know, I always ask people, you know, would I want to do business with me if I was sharing this? Or, you know, would I want to listen to me if I was sharing this? We always have to ask ourselves that before we go on camera. I love it. That's uh, that's such good advice. We're wrapping up our time here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Um, some parting shots. Some, um, if if, a, if an organization is just looking at and they got their hands in the air, where do they start? What's what's a first step that somebody can look at their brand and their marketing and they put pause and they're ready to ramp back up again? Right? They're ready to open up their yes. marketing. Yes. What's the first thing that you would suggest they do? as they come out of the gate, maybe they push pause on everything, which is a terrible mistake, but you're coming out of it. You're, Hey, I'm going to amend myself. Right. First thing that you would suggest an organization do to kind of ramp back up into a marketing game. Best practice. Yeah. So, um, one of the things, especially from a nonprofit perspective, just because I know there's definitely limited budgets, Mm -hmm. um, in this downtime, take the opportunity to spread all of your materials out in front of you. And if it's all looking different and not telling the same story, start by addressing that. Because every time I get something from an organization, whether it's from a digital perspective or in print, I should know that it is you. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the 
you know, same three to five images that tell your story, um, you know, similar headlines, whatever that is, that's one thing. I mean, from a visual perspective to really look at. Um, the other thing, again, humanizing things. Take this time to get connected with your team. I mean, you know, what, what are they doing during COVID? What challenges have they seen? You know, I mean, just, again, sharing those stories. And if, especially if you've been off the radar, you know, it, take that opportunity to be like, huh, me again, we, we really didn't know what we were doing and we were scared. And just owning that. Yeah. I think that's the thing too, you know, or hey, sorry you got 27 emails from me in one week. I was told I should be marketing the heck out of our organization, but I didn't know what that looked like. You know, now we've reined it in and you're going to get one a week or, two, you know, whatever that looks like. So I just think, again, owning that you maybe didn't know what you're doing is okay too. People will love you for that because you're relatable and you're vulnerable, which I think is an important part of branding. It's scary, but people, I mean, that draws people in, I think. This is uh, this is one of the more remarkable uh, podcasts with the most like tangible things that you can take away, and I am so thankful that you came on today uh, to sh- spread brand and marketing and awareness and just general authenticity because you're just the best. And oh, if you ever you. get a chance to work with Amanda, you will understand that is what you see and what you hear today is exactly the person that you will use and you will have as your marketing guru. Uh, on the back end there. So I appreciate you being on the official Do Good Better podcast. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, they're gonna, boundless uh, <laughs> individuals, we're gonna reach out to you because you can go anywhere now because it's a virtual world. Yes. How do they get a hold of Amanda McKinnon and Mspire? Go. Yes, you can find me at mspire.com and that's M as in Mary, S as in Sam, P as in Paul, com. I love that. And we will list all the other ways through social media and phone numbers and all that good stuff in the show notes. Of course, it's going to be great. Uh, And then please do reach out uh, to her uh, just for an audit, if nothing else, because uh, she will speak your truth. uh, And it will be wonderful to hear because you're going to have somebody who's a team player because she's wonderful. Uh, I've worked with her for a number of years and it's just, you should, you should give her a call. Anyway, Amanda, thank you so much for being on the official Do Good Better podcasts. Uh, We will see you and we'll talk to you next time on the official Do Good Better podcast. There are countless videos, books, articles, and folks out there with suggestions on how to raise more money. Of course, that's a major problem. Too much information. Do Good University has an online library of lectures, courses, and trainings that concentrate on one thing making fundraising simple. Come join other like-minded do-gooders who are looking to unclutter their fundraising life. Enroll at Do Good University today at dogoodbetterconsulting.com.